Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. Seven four zero eight zero. That number again, seven six five four four seven four zero eight zero. I do love hearing from you guys uh, when you got thoughts on things here. Let's go ahead, jump right into it, uh, and uh, we do that with our need to know news. If somebody wouldn't mess with my buttons like they always do, here we go. Need to know news. Here's your need to know news. Let's go. Uh, Purdue uh, men's hoop stays at number two in the new rankings, although uh, it did pick up some uh, more first place votes. Not a ton, but it was trending in the right direction. Uh, it did help when uh, UNC lost this week. Definitely helped. Uh, anyways, uh, Purdue winner in Madison yesterday, 75-69. Lance Jones, 20 points. He stays hot shooting. The Illini need an OT to dispatch Nebraska at home, 87-84. Big Ten now looks like uh, this with Purdue at the top. The Illini-Wisconsin uh, game and a half back. This week, Purdue off until Saturday when they host Indiana. The Illini in a similar boat. They head to East Lansing on Saturday. They get the week off to take on the Spartans. Wisconsin heads to Michigan on Wednesday night, then to Rutgers on Saturday. Purdue women's golf's in Puerto Rico today. Momo Sugiyama, low boiler, in at third overall right now. Four under for the tournament. That's two off of the lead. I do believe she led after yesterday. So we'll keep an eye on that. They go through tomorrow on that. Women's basketball back in Mackey tonight. Got to snap this losing streak. The Illini, oh boy, 8 p.m., and it's on Big Ten Network. So for you people like Kyle Charters that are out here complaining on Twitter, ain't nothing on tonight. Uh, we got Purdue women's basketball, man. I don't know what you're worried about. 8 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Pacers Sunday night winners over the Hornets, 115-99 in Charlotte. Miles Turner with 16-10. and 10. No Halliburton minutes, though. And the Pacers this week look to host the Rockets and the Warriors. Uh, we had a, a lot of high school action over the weekend. Girls High School Hoops sectionals wrapped up uh, on Saturday. McCutcheon, a 51-49 winner over rival Harrison. So they go 2-0 on the season against the Raiders. They're going to head to regionals on Saturday in Marion, taking on Homestead. Benton Central gets the best of West Lafayette, though. 48-43, that final. Bison will head to Caston, where they'll face Norwell Saturday. CC winners, 45-22 over host Delphi. Now they're going to head up to West Dell. I only said Wisconsin Dells. Uh, West Dell. And uh, they'll face Lures in another classic there. Over to Wet Wrestling Regionals, where Harrison 
takes down the Logansport Regional as a team. McCutcheon second, Faith in at fourth, Jeff at sixth. Regional champs include Alex Luna from Harris at 285, Cole Shacoin from McCutcheon at 215, Mavs Brock Finney at 190, Ethan Papa Harrison at 175, Raiders Isaac Sinks at 165, Wyatt Strickler at 126 for McCutcheon, and the Mavs Aiden Dollinger at 120. Girls swim sectionals, Harrison comes in second behind host Zionsville. Zionsville took all but one event. Lots of locals making it the state, though. Uh, only local champ is Westside, Lauren Antelis in the 100 fly. Harrison's three relay teams either make the cut or get state invites, uh, as well as Westside's 400 free relay team will also go on. Meanwhile, Harrison junior diver Kennedy Gould will qualify. Uh, she's in the diving regional with a runner-up finish, 372 and three-quarter points for her. So she can get through uh, regionals. She can make it on to state. Everybody else already in. Swimming is weird like that. You, The way you get it on swimming is you either win your event or you make the cut time. That Those both guarantee you spots, and then they fill up the remainder. you got to have 32 in each spot minimum. Uh, so then they start going through like the next fastest times, and those teams get invites. So uh, that's how you get in on swimming. Regional uh, diving is a little bit different because it's like the top, was it like top four, I think, from each regional? Make it into the, or the sectional, make it into a regional, and then they about do the same thing, and then that's how you get your state divers. So it's a little bit different there. But local high school athletes making it happen. You love to see it, and that is today's Need to Know News. So we want to start out this week. Uh, like I said... No Big Ten basketball tonight, which is a little bit of a bummer. I get it. It's no Big Ten men's basketball. Doesn't mean there's not action. We got uh, the women's basketball game on to watch. But uh, still dug up a couple of bets today for you that we like. Like to go over there and use our friends with ESPN bet. Look, now, if you're not getting into something, now's the time to be looking at those Super Bowl props. This is the, the week that you want to start zeroing in on what you want to do here. This is where you're doing your research. Monday's a great day to do that research for it. And all this week, too, I think you really got to watch out for these pop-up bets. These happy hour boosts that a lot of books like to use for you. And take care of it when you can. All right? But tonight, I did dig up some college basketball hoops for you. Miami's at Virginia tonight. We like the under 132 and a half. Why? Virginia fourth nationally in defensive efficiency in home games. That defense is translated to unders at home per team rankings. Virginia eight and four to the under at home this season, going under by an average of 5.8 points per game. The last two, last time these two teams played in Charlottesville, which is two years ago, but Virginia won by 13, just 59 possessions. We like the under there. That's a low number. That's that's really scary. But we like Virginia. We like him at home. We like that uh, defensive efficiency. And again, we're a, we're a little we're a little thin tonight. In Virginia, only one forty four in adjusted offense. 
Miami's offense ranked at 44. Their adjusted defense is 115. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Also, we're doing a little bit more of a gut play here. But Kansas is on the road at Kansas State tonight. And to be honest with you, this shouldn't be a game where you feel like the spread's four and a half. It's actually down from five and a half. That's where Kansas opened up. And you'd be wondering why the number four team in the country is uh, maybe not the biggest favorite against a 14 and 18 that's four and five in the conference. Well, I'll tell you why. Kansas, big win over Houston over the weekend. Feeling good. Goes into an in-state rival that needs a win. lost their last four in Kansas. Terrible on the road. Jayhawks are 1-3 and three straight up on the road in league play. Losses at UCF and West Virginia. They reside in the bottom four of the league. Kansas's only Big 12 road win comes at Oklahoma State, who is at the bottom of the Big 12. Now, K-State, they're fourth from the bottom. But if UCF can do it at home and West Virginia can do it at home, you got to ask yourself... Uh, why not Kansas State? You want to talk, and here's the thing. The Big 12 is insane this year. Houston is in first place. They played about 9, 10 games here. Houston is in first place. Oklahoma State is in last place. Four-game difference throughout the entire conference. You have five teams at the top that are within a half game of each other. And TCU in the sixth spot is only a game out. BYU's a game and a half out. Then Oklahoma, Texas, Cincinnati, Kansas State, two games behind Houston. There's only three teams left. I'm sorry, I forgot about UCF. So literally everybody except for West Virginia and Oklahoma State in that conference is just two games behind Houston or better. That's crazy. But we'll take K-State. They're getting four and a half here. Why not? You feel like this is a letdown spot for a Jayhawks team that struggles on the road. I like it. I like that almost as much as trying to fade Wisconsin uh, in their next matchup. But probably because I don't know if you saw that stat over the weekend. But after, like the Purdue hangover, Jeff brought this up uh, on the show on Friday. Like that Purdue hangover is so real. Big Ten opponents, three and eight in the game following Purdue. The only problem with that is Wisconsin's going to Michigan on Wednesday night. Maybe I'm not going to take that one. Maybe they'll move to four and eight. We'll see. But there you go. That's need and no news. Uh, those are our bets there. We like uh, under in the Miami-Virginia game, 132.5. We'll take 4.5 uh, for Kansas State tonight as they host Kansas. Hang tight. Let's go back to yesterday. Let's talk about that matchup against Wisconsin. Things we like, things we didn't like, and our takeaways. Next, this is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017.
Let's get back after it here. The Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. You can always chime in on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline by texting in at 765-447-4080. That number again is 765-447-4080. Purdue uh, in the, uh, with, with the W on, uh, on Sunday, 75 to 69. They stay at number two in the latest college basketball AP poll. 16 first place votes, approximately 30 points behind UConn. You also uh, take a look at the net. Purdue still sitting at two in the nets. I don't understand that. I don't get the net. And again, I got to have Tonsoni back on about this. But I don't get the net. So the net ranking is the thing that we use for the quad one, quad two. And there's plenty of other things that go into the net ranking. There's all that, you know, and, and Brian from Delphi Bracketology has talked to us about this. You know, things like your, your Ken Palm, BPI, all that kind of other stuff. That all factors in. But what I don't get is Purdue at number two with the net. Second in Ken Palm, which again, I talked about this last week. Butt up their numbers to Houston, who's number one in the Ken Palm. And I, I, I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination. But Purdue with the number one adjusted offense, 13th defense versus the number 18th offense and number one defense. Seems okay. But Purdue doing it with the number one strength of schedule versus 47? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the net does the exact same thing for me. To where I'm, I'm left kind of just shrugging my shoulders going, uh, what do we, what, what, what in the world? 15 quad one, quad two victories. That's what Purdue has right now in the net. Houston has 11 total games in quad one, quad two. Purdue's played 17. So six more games in the, in the top two quads. Purdue has one less loss. And two more wins. Purdue's played four less quad four games, one less quad three games. So I guess you look at that, and I'm just saying the math doesn't seem like it maths correctly there. Even UConn, who is also at eight and two in quad one. Again, more games played in quad one, more wins in quad one, better win percentage. More games than Houston in quad two and undefeated. Less games in quad three and one more game in quad four. Like, I look at these things and like this ranking thing doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't. I think it's ridiculous. It seems like a novel idea to break it down like this, but at the same time, I don't feel like the better teams are outranking where they should be. But it is what it is. Is it any better than just the AP poll? It's a good question. 
look, as of last week when I railed on why people thought, I mean, there were people who had like Auburn in it, in before Purdue, North Carolina in before Purdue, and there is still one guy who covers Missouri that has North Carolina who lost at Georgia Tech on Tuesday ahead of Purdue. Like, like how, bro? H- how do you do that? And he had him at two last week. They literally went out on the road and lost a quad two game to Georgia Tech on the road. And dude said, eh, I'll keep him there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Purdue goes out on the road and beats a top 10 team. He's like, nah, it's not enough to take it over. The process just ain't perfect, folks. It's just, it's not. You'd like to think, but what are you going to do? Math has failed me. But, you know, the only math you really care about at this point is 75-69. to 69. Purdue does get the W uh, against Wisconsin. A little bit of a shaky last couple of minutes there. And you may not realize that, you know, you did outscore Wisconsin in the second half. That is not something that you have done a great job of this season, scoring in the second half. Because you've been so good in the first, you haven't had to. I don't know if that's a a trend to worry about, but I thought it was... I thought it was interesting. Ant Wright, I think, put this up today, or yesterday. And it was first half versus second half splits for Big Ten games. And Purdue is losing uh, the the point margin in the second half in OT, negative 23. But they're plus 148 in the first half. Whew. Minnesota is the opposite there. <laughs> they they end up in holes in the first half. Minus 86 in the first half, 77 plus on the second half. Crazy. And then Michigan's down there. I don't understand. Michigan outscores opponents in the first half by 27 this season. They get outscored in the second half. Minus 113. Ugh. Garbage. But look, it, it it was shaky at times. It was. Before you bury people, and there were a few on Twitter that bury that performance, I ask you this. Much like the end of the Northwestern game, in the past, how many Purdue teams would not have gotten that win at Wisconsin? How, how, how many of them would have found a way to not take home that W? A lot. Right? Fletcher Lawyer's foot wasn't on the line. We're good there. You know, getting pushed in the corner, that kind of stuff. It's just... Could have been better? Absolutely. How good would you have done going out there against uh, number six on the road? Needing that W win on the line? Knowing that they're coming at you like that, uh, not too many people are going to do as good as like Lance Jones did handling the ball at times. They make some mistakes, absolutely. It can happen. 11 turnovers is the number that you usually feel like you live with with Purdue. You find ways to win, and they did. But yeah, 
I, I think you're lying to yourself. You think eh, some of those moments late in that game looked a little bit shaky. That worries you. You lie to yourself if you didn't think that. But now, is it a, the, a very big concern for me going forward? Not right now. I think we'll be okay. I don't think Purdue has this rep for blowing uh, big late-game leads to let stuff like this happen, that momentum shifts. Take their foot off the pedal up a lot? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But I don't I, I don't fear like late-game collapses with this team. I just don't. Lance Jones, very good again. 20 points, really had some big threes, three of seven. But this team just, this is the big number for me coming out of this one. Three of 11 from three-point range. Just 11 attempts. You know how many shots from three Fletcher Lawyer took yesterday? Zero. Seven shots he took, none of them from behind the arc. Zero. Was shocked. Braden Smith with a very good 19 points. You know, 11 turnovers, nine of them combined came from Zach and Braden. So that's why I'm really not circling the, the, the turnovers as a team. I think team-wise, they did good. That's too high a number for Braden. I can live dumping the ball into Edie that many times and giving up four turnovers. I'm totally cool with that. 13 boards, 18 points for him. Look, you went up to Madison, you went on the road, and you got a top 10 victory. Was that seven straight wins now against uh, the top 10? Is that what we're up to? Or it's a seven-game win? Either way, I'm not going to overthink here. It's a six-point win on the road in Wisconsin where they're ranked with the Big Ten on the line. And not everybody was on board thinking that they could go up there and do that. But they found ways to win. Wisconsin just ice cold from three. Purdue doing a good job defensively on them there. But I was surprised for as poorly as Wisconsin defends a three-point line. They seem to do a pretty decent job against Purdue. As they already got 11 shots off from behind the arc. And make no mistake about it. While, while they're trying to get the ball into Zach a lot and trying to get him those touches, they weren't really giving up very much on that three-point line. And they just weren't. The pictures, though, I know we make fun of the people uh, who get into the, the these Illini fans are usually the ones, not all of them, that come here with uh, their so-called receipts after the game. They got the videos, they got the photos. But, I mean, right from the jump, watch a crawl, like, literally hold down one of Zach's arms on the jump ball. Look, it's going to continue to be a battle for Zach in the inside. And every time he plays well and every time Purdue gets a W, it's going to be excuses, excuses, excuses. This doesn't matter. It's March. Moving the goalposts. He's just tall. He does get officiated fair. It's the same excuses over and over and over and yet they're still, they, they, I don't understand why they still cling to it. 21 games later and the multitude of officials 
I mean, it's just amazing how somehow little old Purdue has gotten favorable calls for 21 games and has only gotten bad calls in two of them. Makes no sense to me. But overall, look. Great game. You'll take it. Mason Gillis got a little cold there from three. But he still came in, gave you six rebounds. I love it. Love it. Give me, give me the win. Give me the game and a half. And now you got to come down the stretch here. I think you can... It, you got a decent chance to grow that to two and a half games by the time you got to go to Michigan. If you can have a two and a half game lead when you come back to start March and take on Michigan State, you're golden there. Three games, two and a half game lead. And the two teams that can catch you, you got them on the schedule. And you've beaten both of them. Coleman Hawkins can go on the press conference and talk about all he wants. They got to come play us. They got to come do that. Yeah, we do. But you got to beat us again. And you couldn't do it the first time. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back. Hey, more. The Hammer Down Show. That awaits you next year on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. It's uh, Jared just live. It's busy sports weekend here. And of course, I like I had barely any time to sit down and really get to enjoy any. I, you know, mother was in town, kids and stuff like that. Yeah, busy stuff. But I still, a lot of things caught my eye this weekend. One of those things continues to be the saga, the ongoing saga that is the Chicago Bears looking for a new stadium. Now, a new article claiming that the Bears are refocusing on the lakefront, that the Arlington deal is dead. I mean, they're talking about the, the school tax rate and all that stuff, and that's not getting anywhere. But a new report from Greg Hintz of uh, Chicago Business says that this is what they're doing. What they want to do is uh, the Bears would build a state-of-the-art dome stadium on the Soldier Field South lot with the goal of hosting Super Bowls, Final Fours, and other events, which was the plan that they were going to do in Arlington Heights. Quoteth Kevin Warren, I live downtown, I love the city, and I just think we're blessed to be able to live in a city like Chicago. It has many pulses. I'm a big proponent of the Chicago land area. I'm a big proponent of Arlington Heights. But there's something that's really special about downtown Chicago. Is the traffic and how hard it is to get over there sometimes? Is that is that what it is? And this saga is just getting out of control. But I told you, I always thought that the Arlington thing was more of a, a negotiating plot. Right? Oh, why they destroy everything? Because whoever buys that lot was going to raise it anyway. So you you have a full lot there for development. Somebody else goes and, and buys it for whatever. It's already done. 
You get more money out of it. But it also offers up that second level where if you're going to continue to negotiate up in Arlington, you open up this. They're literally doing the same thing to Arlington that they were just doing to the city of Chicago. And they're just going to play each other off of each other until they get what they want. And they're going to continue with Arlington Heights and that property uh, tax assessment, which they're like $100 million off. I, just, I, I don't... It's amazing to me just how long this has taken to get an answer and to figure things out with the Chicago Bears. It's kind of sad. It's just it's such an iconic place. I get it. Everybody wants more suites and a new state-of-the-art stadium. You know, it's a bunch of millionaires and billionaires and it's money, 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 money. But it's just amazing to me that they haven't worked this out. Also jumping out at me, and this kind of came earlier today, uh, has anybody seen what they plan to do with the NBA All-Star Game in Lucas Oil Stadium? It's this new interactive LED court. It's a state-of-the-art court. Helps you track players, stats, things like that, all there on the court in real time. If you've ever seen that Amazon football channel that they have during Thursday night football, maybe something like that. I guess this is okay. But at the same time, man, I just, what are you watching the NBA All-Star game for? The the metrics behind all of it and the live thing, tracking player progress, all, look, they just go up and down, they dunk it. That's all it is. Nobody plays any defense. And I'd argue you're more interested in NBA's All-Star Saturday night with the dunk contest, three-point contest, and skills challenge than you are the actual game anymore. Maybe And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why they feel the need to do something like this. I'm not going to stand in the way of progress. This isn't going to be a normal thing. But isn't this the kind of junk that you got to go buy some of those new Apple goggles for to experience? Isn't that what you do that for? I mean, say what you want. At one point, I think a lot of fans just want to watch the game unencumbered by a whole bunch of other stuff going off. And that's cool. It's awesome that we have this kind of technology. But also, do we need it? I don't think we need it. Indy gets the host. This is a big deal. Um, You know, who knows if they'll ever let Indy host this thing again. Not because we're not any good at it. It's because... You know, we're in Indianapolis. I know all the, you know, the, the the West Coast people hate coming out here for the combine. 
I really want that game to be success. So this doesn't have it during COVID. That, that got canceled. Then LeBron tried everything to make sure we didn't get it back. Because I know this isn't like a fun party place. Indianapolis. But we host great events down there. We really do. And everybody agrees with that. All the fans agree with that. So I really hope it goes well. I hope it goes smooth for the players' families, and then that way they can feel like, hey, this is a good place to have it again. I like Indy being able to host all these events, like the Final Four, like the All-Star Game. It's good for us. It's good for the state. We're going to wrap it up here. Hold tight. Things we may have missed and more coming up next is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I am Jared Jessalitis. We're going to get to the things that we may have missed here in just a little bit. But close your eyes. Not you, you're driving. The rest of you, close your eyes and imagine a world where you can stream all your favorite entertainment easier than ever. Now open them. You're in that world. It's a world with the Xfinity 10G network, the network made for streaming all your favorites. Forget about the hassle. With a reliable connection, you can sit back, relax, and enjoy shows, movies, or live sports. We know you're using your ears right now, but hopefully uh, we open up your eyes to the fact that the best way to stream on the Xfinity 10G network. Introducing the best value in live TV and streaming on the best network with Xfinity Internet and Now TV. Now through March 21st, get Xfinity Internet for $20 a month for 12 months with no annual contract. Plus, add Now TV with Peacock Premium, a $5.99 a month value included at no extra cost for just $20 a month. Switch today requires paperless billing and auto pay with a stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Now TV requires Xfinity Internet, equipment taxes, and fees extra. After the promo, regular rates apply. Actual speeds vary. Stream Top Chef on Peacock. I got to get into the things we may have missed. First off, please stop. I'm I'm tired of seeing these idiots already out here with these Apple, Google, or Goggle things. I know it sounds like an old man uh, yelling at a cloud, but these people look ridiculous. Stupid influencers walking around it's all over my timeline. It's a forty-five hundred dollar ski goggle that lets you do. How if I know? It's it better not become a thing. $4,500. People are out of your minds. For augmented reality, live in real reality. $4,500. Get out of here. Congratulations to Zach Eady, number 10. Number 10 is 10th career Big Ten Player of the Week honor. Ties the Big Ten record. Congratulations to Big Z. Lance Jones probably could have gotten some love in there, too. I'm not taking anything away from anybody. But there you go. More things for Illini fans to get mad at. Shout out to uh, Purdue Creative and the men's basketball account that got this fantastic video. If you've not gone on to their social media and seen this video of um, Matt Painter drawing up that alley-oop to Zach and Fletcher Lawyer telling him, like, no, run it on this side because, you know, the defense and, and Matt Painter being like, it's like that? All right, cool. Flips it. Boom. It happens. Boy. How awesome is that? That's a great recruitment tool. A fresh reminder that Matt Painter is the absolute best. How many coaches in America 
would listen to a sophomore as you're drawing a play like, no, that's not going to work. It would work better if we did this and have that coach go, all right, cool, let's do that. Like, I got to think that doesn't happen very often. What a great piece of social media. I absolutely love that. Um, Also, new commanders head coach Dan Quinn says, Eric Bieniemy not returning to Washington staff. We may remember Eric Bieniemy. He was supposed to be one of the hottest head coaching candidates. Couldn't get the job uh, for whatever reason. Then decided, I got to get out. It's Andy Reid's shadow. I got to get out of Kansas City. Got out of Kansas City. And what did the commanders? Bold strategy, Cotton. That's not exactly one of the best functioning. I can understand if you went to a more solid team, ownership, GM. But the commanders? Man, I, I don't know about that. Meanwhile, Kansas City did pretty darn good without him. They're back in the Super Bowl. And he's out looking for a job now as they bring in Cliff Kingsbury instead. And the man who has... Has Cliff Kingsbury ever gone over 500 at any of his head coaching stops? Ah, because he was below 500 at Texas Tech. And he never won in. He finished 35 and 40 at Texas Tech. And you know he didn't crush it in the NFL either. I'm a I'm a little surprised. Then there's also, you know, he just happened to be working with a certain potential number one overall pick quarterback in Caleb Williams. It was expressed, at least in theory, and according to some reports, expressed maybe not wanting to go to Chicago as one of those landing spots. If so, I think Bears fans could be very happy trading out a number one for a guy that doesn't want to be there and maybe still getting a uh, quarterback that you like. We'll see what happens. But that is an interesting development uh, if you are a Bears fan. Ben Simmons says, It's funny to me, I got grown men pissed off and yelling at me. It's not that deep over uh, Sixers fans booing him. Maybe that's the problem, Ben. Maybe if it's not bothering you anymore, maybe... uh, Maybe you're not as invested. Now, granted, we're fans. We're always overly invested. And I 100%, I think, at the college level and up, it's okay for you as a grown human being to boo opposing players. I don't like you booing your own players. But when I hear quotes like that, I say, why do I want that guy on my team? You know, I'm so thankful for the crew that's been put together over at, at Purdue and how well they play. It's hard at that age to not be emotionally invested into what you're doing. But to be this kind of touch, and I get it, it's Philadelphia. They're a bit touchy over there. They're a little bit too indulging. They are a little bit overcommitted. But to say, I oh, know the booing doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm making my money. It doesn't matter. Why do I want you on my team? 
I don't get it. Good luck to him. Glad he's not on the Pacers. I hope the Pacers don't think they could ever fix him. But I don't want a guy that says, it's not that deep. I want a guy goes, I'm going to make them choke on it, and then I'm going to leave. That that's That's the energy that I want out of you. And Ben just hasn't seemed to have that in quite some time. That does it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. We're back tomorrow, and uh, we'll spend an entire uh, spend an entire hour like we always do here talking local sports with you. Back here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I will see you back here tomorrow at 3.